Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to you, wherever you are, and welcome to the 4Play podcast, episode number 49. My name is David, and I will be joined, as usual, by my fabulous co-hosts and music brothers, Alan, Darren and Mark. If you are not familiar with the setup of these shows, we pick a theme for each one, and this week the theme is going to be singles of 76, so we'll try to find four favourites each. In case you are wondering about hearing the songs that we discuss, unfortunately we cannot include them in the show, but we will include a link for a Spotify playlist in the show notes, and also on our 4Play Music Facebook group. So, without further ado, let's get on with the show. Good evening everybody, welcome to our 4Play podcast. So, for anybody, if it's the first time you've joined in, thank you very much. If you've listened to us before, then um, why are you back, basically, but it's good that you are. Thank you very much. Um, tonight, so I'll introduce our um, regular esteemed guests in a minute, uh, but tonight we're looking at singles from 1976. So it might be our favourites, it might be what you consider the best of the time, or the most interesting. Um, obviously, as usual, we don't really know what each other's got, so we'll wait and see, we'll find out. I gather, am I right in thinking, David, this is... An anniversary show that we falsely said about last time. Nearly, next one. Yeah, we're not. We're not quite there. We're not okay. quite there. Celebrate that next time. Cool. Well, so just well, to... It's our third show now. I think <laughs> it <laughs> I might think be the rough. might be the third good one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so a couple of things before we get going. Then um, I think we need to speak first of all about. Um, I don't think we did this on the last podcast, but Gary Newman, who myself and David went to see recently. Um, absolutely superb performance um, with his futuristic androgynous guitar players and the screens behind him were just stunning. The light show was amazing. Um, what did you think, David? Superb, wasn't it? Oh, it was fantastic. And the whole crowd, they were all up for it, weren't they? Everyone was, was there, uh, you know, celebrating or just part of, very much part of the show, very different from... I went a couple of weeks afterwards, saw Michael Kiwanuka at the same venue and yeah. people were talking and there was a, a d- different event. Complete, it felt like a completely different event, um, even though Kiwanuka was fantastic. You know, his music was good and everything. But um, the, the, the crowd there for Gary Newman, mostly sort of 40 plus, but there were some younger ones there. Um, they were just there to be with him. And it was fantastic to see. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. So obviously that's David. Um, I'm gonna. I've just been to see um, the new Top Gun film today. So I thought, just for a bit of a laugh, I'd work out who's which. Um, which Top Gun character today? So David, I've got you down as Maverick. Um, Maverick. Just because. Well, yeah, you you got the main man. Just because your choices can often bamboozle us all, and he's a bit of a wild card, isn't he, Maverick? True. So you never know what direction he's going to go off in. Uh, so that's David. Um, we'll introduce Goose next, which is Mark. Uh, Mark, it's Goose or Rooster. If you haven't seen the new film yet, it'll all make sense. Um, just because you're the wingman and you're building your vinyl collection. Nice one. I thought you would have chosen Hollywood. <laughs> oh, yeah, that would have been good. <laughs> there, there is a Hollywood in there as well. Yeah, yeah. How are you then, Mark? I'm doing well, doing well. Uh, just, just before we uh, went on air, uh, I was telling you about my, my wee trip to the Isle of Lewis, which is just um, great for the soul, great for the heart and soul. And um, they're hardy people up there. If there's anybody listening from the Isle of Lewis, fair play to you. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a wonderful, wonderful part of the world. The people are friendly. 
the um, the butchers in Stornoway is a must for pork sausages and black pudding. Um, Bystead down near Tarbert. Um, lovely, lovely part of the world. The south, it's it's a strange uh, geographical fact that it is one island, but the north end's called Lewis and the south end's called Harris. And mm-hmm. uh, beaches are amazing. So it's it's it was a fantastic staycation. Recommended to all. All is good. It's a two-day week, and I believe um, uh, the Queen of England is is um, celebrating something this this weekend. Uh, Fair play to her. Good old Lizzie. Yeah. God bless her, and um, I hope she has a lovely weekend. She's had a hard time of it lately. Absolutely. I wish her all the best. Thank you. Nice one. And last but not least, over to Iceman. Um, I think Alan's Iceman, just not because obviously Iceman's got this really big inflated ego. I wouldn't say anything <laughs> about that to Alan, but it's because he's got the biggest record collection. So there you go. <laughs> so over to you, Al. I have got quite a big one, I must admit. And my record collection's uh, grown <laughs> today. Oh, God. Oh, saw that one oh. coming over the hill. And, uh, really yeah. Oh, all right. Thanks, Daz. Yeah. Uh, as I was saying, I've just come back from a, a week's holiday in Tenerife with uh, my wife Julie and we had a lovely time there, nice sunshine, topped up my tan that I hadn't actually topped up for a number of years and um, uh, then it was straight back to being in retirement, uh, which is not easy uh, when you've not got to get out of bed for any purpose uh, whatsoever apart from to feed yourself and clean yourself and tidy the house, things like that. Uh, you know, did a bit of washing and <laughs> mowed the lawn, etc. Whatever. Uh, and uh, so now, raring to go with this podcast, which I believe is actually number forty-nine. Right. Yeah. We're nearly there. And just for the listeners, we were all making really angry faces at Alan then when he was talking about his lovely retirement. <laughs> I was, I was uh, giving him the Battle of Agincourt sign there. <laughs> yeah, you were. Yeah. yeah. I might even flip the bird. okay so let's get on with it without further ado because i've been watching top gun we're going to fly through this tonight we're going to get it done like we always do in all 20 minutes Uh, or we could crash and burn (laughs) i don't know i do it's a really really good film um for anyone that's interested listening i wasn't going to watch it because i thought sequel 30 odd years later is it going to be any good and all the feedback i've seen from everybody has been brilliant, amazing, stunning, and I concur. It was absolutely brilliant. So yeah, I had the chance to go and sit in Spanish, but I didn't. I just <laughs> for some reason. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You should have done, but no, it's a good film. Um, so we'll crack on. If we start with, uh, we'll go clockwise from underneath me, which is Mark. So we're we'll oh. going Alan, David, myself. If that's all right. Okay, yeah. shit. You caught me unaware there. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Mark. <laughs> You'll be all right. Uh, yeah, I'll be. I'll be absolutely fine. I'll be fine. I'm. I'm. Um, I'm so. Once I've opened up my uh, computer. Yeah. So we see what we've got. So it's over to Goose slash Rooster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, it's me. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not used to being called a goose. <laughs> right. Uh, so my my first one is from a, a guy who. Um, exists um extensively in my my small collection of of vinyls um he was once part of a duet started in the 50s they were kind of folksy 
and uh, they had well, God, lots of hits, including Bridge Over Troubled Water and what, what have you. Uh, America and Scarborough Fair, we've, we've covered them before. I'll cut to the chase. My first choice is Paul Simon's 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover. And uh, this came out, I believe, it was recorded in December 75, uh, but released just inside 76. Um, it was released late 75 in the US, but came over across the pond to the United Kingdom and, and Europe and released in 76. So it just about slips in there. And uh, he was saying in an interview that um, he woke up one morning in his apartment in Central Park, uh, as you do. And uh, this first line, the opening words of this wonderful song, uh, the problem is all inside your head, she said to me. And then I just went from there. <laughs> um, he, made, he made the song up while uh, teaching his son how to rhyme. Uh, so he didn't take the lyrics at all seriously. Um, you know, slip out the back, Jack, make a new plan, Stan. Don't need to be coy, Roy. Just set yourself free. And it's it's so funny because there are so many songs that kick about that are memorable. Um, that 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 the words, the lyrics are just almost meaningless. It's just like a a bunch of uh, therapy landing on a page. And I think this is one of them. He, he obviously uh, had several um, relationships that went a bit south, including uh, the late and, and very beautiful Carrie Fisher. Um, you can tell that he's one of those guys who could be a little bit tetchy feisty, but he is, he is the genius that he is. Um, he's, he's, not, he's nowhere near on the Van Morrison scale that we often like to slag off. Uh, I, I haven't had the pleasure of seeing him live. I'd love to have seen him live. I think it's all a bit late now. But uh, yeah, he goes in as uh, my first choice for 1976, 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover. That's a very impressive start, isn't it? Um, yeah, great song. And like you said, the lyrics stay with you. When you hear the song, you don't forget it, do you? Um, yeah. I just actually, for the first time, finished watching uh, The Graduate. Oh, great fun. Full of Paul Simon and yeah, Simon yeah. Angoff songs, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Great film. I can't believe I've never watched it. But... Have you not? Oh, well, until now. Not till now. I don't know if that song's actually in it. I can't remember. But uh, No, no. It, uh, the Graduate came out in, I think, about 68 or something like that. It was 68, yeah. yeah. I think yeah. so, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's Was it 68? If, if it was, I'm impressed with myself on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... Yeah, I, what was in that was uh, Mrs. Robinson, obviously. Yeah, Mrs. Robinson, something else. Scarborough Fair, Canticle was in it as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah good, brilliant choice for me. I like that. That was on my short list, but it had gone, and now I know who had it. Ah, great record. <laughs> great record, Mark. I love that. Um, it, it, as soon as you mentioned that, I mean, I had it on my short list, and it took me back to when it was on the radio and it stood out really as as one of those songs that was a class above a lot of what else was in the in the charts for me you know and it's all very personal taste um and as you said it's quite interesting how those words because you or the lyrics you hear them so often it just becomes a chant doesn't it so it's a, a cantation yeah. even yeah and, uh, wonderful stuff and uh, and i'm sure i've left uh, 
Um, yeah, I've gone through the list of the 50 ways. And uh, yeah, every one of them. Is it your bucket list? Yeah, yeah, I've hopped on the bus, Gus. And I've dropped off the keys, Lee. Yeah, enough about, enough about, uh, yeah, let's leave it there. <laughs> Great, good first choice. Uh, well, Alan. Yeah. Oh, the hombre de hielo. Yeah. In Spanish. I think yeah. I, I believe that's Iceman. Is that is that in Spanish for Iceman? Oh, <laughs> right. I don't know. Um <coughs> how do you follow that? He looks a bit oh, like he... Well I could tell you what goose is. Uh, Ganso. Oh there you go. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> That's about as much Spanish as I know. You'll go far. You'll go far. I'm thinking about this record that I've selected for 1976. Um, I'm pretty sure I didn't listen to this until after I'd listened to uh, the the album, which followed the album that this particular track came off. And... um, and I distinctly were buying it um, on the reprise record label when it came out. Sorry, um, after it originally came out. But it did originally come out in February 1976. And um, it's a song about an old Welsh witch, which I didn't really know at the time. The song had a Welsh-sounding name. Uh, and I think that's why I was kind of um, drawn to it in the in the first place. Um, and the song I've selected first for 1976, or I probably didn't buy it until 77, um, is Rhiannon by Fleetwood Mac. And uh, of course, I, I would I bought this on the back of really hearing the album Rumours, uh, which came out in 77. Uh, but this album, sorry, this track came from uh, the album, which was called Fleetwood Mac. And I think this was the second, I think, I think there was there was only a couple of tracks which were singles on this. But, uh, but this was the first time I believe that uh, this was uh, writing of Stevie Nicks and, and, um, and uh, Buckingham, uh, Lindsay Buckingham. And um, uh, it's, it's generally played, I mean, uh, uh, most Fleetwood Mac concerts uh, without fail and also you know Stevie when she's doing uh, her solo concerts um, and it's just one of those tracks that just it's just got a great melody when it starts off and she sings it fantastically and um, uh, I know that Mick Fleetwood has often commented that it's when she performs it live it's, you know, it's quite an extended track now uh, it's almost like she's building up and she's having like um, an exorcism on stage. Um, and um, say it, she she wrote it, it, it when they wrote it. It was about she thought it was about an old Welsh witch called Rhiannon, but it was actually comes from part of like Welsh writing, uh, one of the earliest forms of British. Um, prose in, in British 
prose stories, which goes back to about the 12th or 13th century, uh, called the, and I can't, I'm very, this is, for, and I'm Welsh and I can't pronounce this very pro properly, but the Mabigio is like a series of these stories, and within there, there's, there's talk about um, a Rhiannon, uh, but in here, she's not a, uh, a witch, she, she's a Welsh goddess um in terms in these stories but some way when they wrote this track it just it's just it's just a lovely thing to listen to and um and i believe that um when she uh her, her any any recordings under her name the the, the recording or, the, or the, the company that she records or is licensed under is welsh witch music uh, but it's a fantastic track, and uh, um, let's say, uh, didn't really appreciate, wouldn't have, I don't think, remember hearing it until Fleetwood Mac became kind of very popular in 77 on the back of rumours. So that's my first choice, uh, Rhiannon by Fleetwood Mac. Mm -hmm. I, the first thing I asked David after I'd submitted my four yeah. was, has anyone chosen Rhiannon? It's it's an absolute must for 1976. Wonderful, wonderful track. I saw them in 2014, and it was the full contingent. Um, so uh, Stevie Nicks was there sharing the uh, the stage with Lindsay Buckingham. The two McVees were there, and, and and Mick Fleetwood. One of the rare rare occasions in the last 20 years that they toured with a full composite, and of course Lindsay Buckingham. If you subscribed to Record Collector, did an interview for them and um, explained that he was sacked in 2018 from the band, which is just like, it's like cutting the nose off despite their face. I mean, he is a, a powerhouse when they play live. And I think they replaced him with Neil Finn and someone else on, on the live gigs. And seeing Fleetwood Mac without Lindsay Buckingham, it's just not Fleetwood Mac. And um, that the person who didn't want him back was none other than Stevie Nicks. So there, you can you can sense the tension on stage between the two of them. Yeah, it's absolute. It's it's a lover hate. Uh, where do you where it's with Stevie Nicks, um, Brighton prowess and equally Lindsay Buckingham's, they couldn't go wrong. After Fleetwood Mac and Rumours, mm. um, there's. A lot of critical acclaim for Tuscan Tango in the night. I think they're 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 not of the the ilk of rumours, but they're pretty damn good albums as well. The lyrics to this as well are very haunting. The music it's mm -hmm. perfect. And you could just see her floating about on the stage as she yeah. did at Glasgow Hydro um, eight years ago. Loved it. One 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 of the the best concerts I've ever been to. Yeah, I actually um, saw them on um, the Tusk tour in at Wembley, I think it was called, still called Wembley Empire Pool then, uh, in yeah. March. It's back 19, to the, just, March just 19, after the war. March 1980, that was. Blimey. Okay. That was uh, great. Still daylight rations. <laughs> no, so that's my first choice. Great choice, Alan. Great choice. Nice one. Cheers. What's, what's David saying to it? Oh, uh, you could put a lot of Fleetwood Mac and I'd, I'd be happy with any of them going on here. Um, I, I like the way this one, as you said, Alan, it's 
you've got the single, but then when you play it live, you can just keep stringing it out longer and longer. Yeah. Um, and and you can give everyone on the stage a chance to to show their musical abilities. It's fantastic. Yeah. And there's, there's, one, there's one other song they do uh, live. They string it right out. Can you guess which one it is? Gold Dust Woman. The chain? There's, yeah, there is that. Oh. Tusk. Tusk. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they really string Tusk out. Just um, it's 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 almost like Stevie Nicks goes into a trance, and Lindsay Buckingham becomes possessed by the devil. It's yeah. it's it's uh, yeah, it's quite an experience to uh, behold. Yeah, and still, rumours one of the biggest selling albums of all time. Still, isn't it? Yeah, like people yeah. playing it, but it's just one of those timeless albums that new generations are hearing and needing and buying so yeah yeah right yeah easily one of the best albums ever yeah yeah Yeah. absolutely good choice okay david your first choice okay my first choice um it starts with something which when my daughter doesn't didn't believe existed um it starts with the speaking clock so it goes, at the third stroke, it will be 10.03 and 40 seconds. At the third stroke, it will be 10.03 and 50 seconds. At the third stroke, it will be 10.04 precisely. And then there's no more talking. There's no more in- lyrics in it. Um, it is off the uh, now sadly departed uh, Van Gelis's album. Uh, the, the track is called Polestar. Um, mm. It's off the album Albedo 0.39. Uh, the, the the released as a single, I, I imagine that must be worth a bit because it didn't chart in the in either the states or in the UK. Um, but it's a it's a it was my first introduction to Van Gelis, staying with a friend in France when when this came out, and when he put the album on, that was it. Wow, it's like just just one of those whoosh moments. You think, okay, this is the sort of music I should be listening to. Uh, it's a uh, very typical of uh, Van Gelis type songs. If anyone's not familiar with him, you would have heard his music on the likes of Chariots of Fire, uh, on Blade Runner. He wrote those, and he's he's written uh, so many soundtracks and released his own albums. Um, this one is pretty much typical for a Van Gelis track. It flows easily from beginning to end. It is pompous. There's great big percussion sounds on it. There's dramatic keyboards, um, there's some solos, there's some explosions. Uh, not quite sure it reaches your your threshold mark. It's only five minute forty five, so <laughs> so not quite not quite the six minute plus compliment. But great track, great single, um, and transports me straight back to seventy six when I hear it. Fantastic. Uh, do you know something, David? I've got to say this on our forty ninth episode. Um, if uh, if you were my girlfriend when I was like a teenager, um, I'd like you to do me like a a tape, a mixtape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of all forty nine episodes, all fifty episodes, because <laughs> some of your choices are just yeah, maverick. They are brilliant. They're absolutely brilliant, and I I would never tire of listening to them. Uh, stuff that I've never heard before, and once I've listened to them, I thought. Yeah, I, I get it. I get why David chose that. And your name, by the way, in Spanish is Dissidente. Get away. That's fantastic. I love that. 
Nice. Yeah. I can do it in it's Welsh. Much, it's much catchier. Yeah, Dybach. It's, it's much catchier than Ombre de Hielo. <laughs> I'll go along with that. Sounds like something you find in the snow. Never going to catch. No, it's not. Great, no, great choice. And uh, yeah, um, a nice doff of the cap to Van Gallis, who's, yeah. who's recently uh, passed away. Yeah. It's another one for us to listen to, I think. Do you, do you mm. know that one now? I don't know that one, I'm afraid. I'm, I don't know if I know it, and I don't realise I know it, but yeah. the title doesn't uh, ring a bell with me. No, no. Yeah, like you well, said, we know it's big ones. But, yeah. Well, we'll stick it on the playlist. Yeah, yeah right. sadly. Yeah. Right. So, over to me then. Um, so this is um, a very weird one. It's my weirdest choice of the four, and I'm going to get it out of the way. Um, when I said some of them are our biggest songs or our most favourite songs or whatever, I said interesting as well. Uh, my first experience of this song was in a 2004 film, and it was sung by Will Farrell and his buddies, and it was in Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> It was only following that film when I went away to think, what is this song? Um, and it's, of course, Afternoon Delight. Brilliant. Originally by the Starland Vocal Band. And I'll tell you what, when you watch them singing it, it's the most cheesy, poppy, uh, it's, it's called soft pop rock or country rock. Um, and it's just hilarious. And it works so well in the film that it made me go away to find out what it was yeah. and why they did it. Uh, the songs in the film is referenced multiple times, and they even made their own music video to bundle onto the DVD. Um, it was just so it's Bill Danoff is one of the founding members of the band, and it was kind of close harmony, sexually suggestive uh, in their wordplay. And he actually said that he didn't want it to be an all-out sex song. He just wanted to write something that was fun with a little hint of sex in there. Um, and they actually came up with it. While he was sitting in a restaurant with his wife, who was in the band as well, looking at the happy hour menu, and there was something there that inspired him to write must be something called Afternoon Delight, I think, but um, I couldn't really find that out. Um, and it's just uh, a really light-hearted, easy, chilled song, and I've now announced in public that it's one of my four choices. Brilliant. <laughs> I know the song, I probably yeah. sit on top of the pops. And maybe I can imagine somebody like Pan's people dancing along to them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't remember who who the artist was. No, no, I, yeah. I had to re-Google it this week. But... Yeah, yeah. I like, I like this. The the film Anchorman was directed by a guy called Adam McKay or McKay, depending on whereabouts you're from. Yeah. And uh, Will Ferrell got involved in that as well. It's it's all about we spoke about this before Quentin Tarantino choosing the right song yeah. for the right part of a film, and uh, this was one of them. Fantastic in, in isolation, you wouldn't dream of listening to this song, <laughs> but, but they just put it perfectly into uh, into the film, yeah. and uh, it's once you listen to that song now, it's instantly associated with Anchorman. Yeah, yeah, it is. That's a great scene. It'll be in your head tonight. Sky rockets yeah. and fly. <laughs> 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 see, he did, he did uh, Talladega Nights and the other guys as well. Yeah. So you can see that him and Will Ferrell have a similar um, warped comedic mind. 
Yeah, love him or hate him, he was a talent, wasn't he? Or is a talent. He is. He's not gone yet. <laughs> He's not gone. <laughs> Don't be doing that to him. You've got me down as Goose, so I'm, I'm dead in the first movie. <laughs> oh, that's why I said Rooster as well. You need to see the film. All right. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Right. Back. He's like a, a, a burning a phoenix rising out of the ashes. Exactly. Yeah. Nice one, Dan. Okay, there you go. That's my. That's all our first choices, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. To you, Mark. Oh, it's back to me. Right. Okay. So the second one, uh, probably a bit predictable for me, um, but um, this song came out in. Uh, Let's see now. When was it? April the 17th, 1976. Um, From the album, it was the first single from this album, Jailbreak. This bunch of lads, they're from Dublin, and he was known as the Black Pearl of Dublin, uh, the great uh, Phil Lynott. It was written by him, and uh, it was uh, a song that... It's called The Boys Are Back in Town, obviously. Uh, and it, it uh, reflects Thin Lizzy's kind of rough and tumble sort of working class roots. Um, ends up in fighting um, because that's the, the only thing the Irish know how to do. Um, fighting Irish. And uh, what more can you say about it? I just think it's, for me, it's one of those songs that Reminds me of my uni days, hearing it so many times in the students' union. Somebody will always put it on the jukebox, and uh, I'll never tire of listening to it. It's just one of those tunes. It's uh, probably their best. Uh, you can think of other ones, Jailbreak itself, uh, the great album Johnny the Fox, is superb. Live, they're brilliant. Live and Dangerous is a great album, but the one that stands out. Isn't whiskey in the jar? I didn't particularly like what they did with whiskey in the jar, to be honest with you, because no. it's an old trad Irish song. I yeah. prefer the the um, the the older versions of that. But uh, boys are back in town. Just stands head and shoulders above all all the other stuff they did. And this came out in April seventy uh, six. Brilliant! It's got that really catchy riff as well, hasn't it? Totally. It's really just yeah. getting. Yeah. And, and the, the great thing about this song as well is uh, it's a bit like R.E.M. when they come out with uh, it would have been Green, I think. They were on they were basically on their last legs. They're on their last warning. They were told, listen, if you don't get a hit now, uh, you're sunk. And that's it. And, um, and uh, one other thing I read was uh, people in Manchester who listen to this song will tell you that uh, the boys are back in town about the Quality Street Gang. So uh, these these boys here are a bit like the mafia. Um, Phil Lynott spent a lot of his time in Manchester, uh, whereas Mum ran a club called the Showbiz. So, yeah. Well, there you go. Do you know why they're called the Quality Street Gang? No. Well, it's not because they had Quality Street, because roses would sound a bit shit. For a, for a gang <laughs> it's because they were always uh, dressed to kill a bit like the piggy blinders <laughs> oh wow I've got a good story about this one as well I was down on a stag do in Newquay um, and a mate of mine a mate called Jay, shout out to Jay um, he decided there was a Finlizzy tribute band on in one of the pubs we went in and 
we went in and there was a bit of a stop. He's paused to have a drink or whatever. My mate goes storming up to him. He goes, oh, play boys are back in town and I'll sing. And a bloke just looked at him and went, right, thanks. <laughs> we have a band. <laughs> he got pretty short shrift and we went to the next pub. But... <laughs> Uh, of course, uh, yeah, actually, I've met him before. I've met him, yeah. Yeah. All right. Quite on my London stag do. Ah. Yeah, that was, uh, that would have been uh, May 1984. How many stag do's did you have if that was your London stag do? Uh, two, because I had one back home in Wales. So I was living in London then. So ah, yucky da, yucky da. And um, yeah, he he was in a pub called the Gaiety in Nottingham Gate, ah. and he walked in, and uh, he had his big black, you know, it was May. I think it was the weather was fairly fairly reasonable, but he had his big black, uh, uh, you know, what do they call those? But big black, uh, like a trilby coat, is it? Trench coat. Trench coat, but something yeah. like that. Yeah. And uh, anyway, yeah, and it, I looked at his hands and his, they're covered in blood. <laughs> what have you been up to? And uh, so when I, he, was, he, was sat, he was at the bar and I just went up to him and I said, oh, I'll feel, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm a big fan, blah, blah, blah. Just bought your last album. Or which one's that? God, I said, Chinatown. Oh, you bought that? Yeah. I said, what have you been doing? And he said, I've been fighting. I've been fighting. <laughs> I love your Isle of Man accent. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, I got him. He uh, kindly signed um, uh, coaster for me, which I've still got. Um, he misspelled it A double L A N, but I'll let him off. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, great, great, great band, and uh, never actually got to see him live. But I think I've got most of their albums and stuff, and that, and uh, probably got. Uh, one of my best friends is from home, Di Spencer, to thank for that, uh, for getting me into Thin Lizzy. Uh, but yeah, great, great band. Yeah, good mm. choice. You probably misspelt it because of your shit Irish accent. Well, I wasn't speaking it at the working. Anyway, yeah. So, 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 where do you keep? Where do you keep the? Um, is it a beer mod coaster? Was it? Yeah, it's it... got one of these. Want me to get it out? I'll get it out in a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For for all of those watching them black and white. Black and white. I'll get it out. David, anything from you on that one? Oh, look, it's a fantastic song. Um, yeah. Uh, look, you, there's nothing else to add to it that, that can make it any better, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, no, great choice, isn't it? Brilliant. Okay, so Alan will get it out for us in a minute. So get it out. It's a big, big collection. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, so this is my second. Uh, choice and um, I was actually quite pleased because uh, obviously I've given this uh, my four selections to, to Dave quite a few weeks ago mm. and I was pleased to see that um, where I was, when we came home on uh, on Sunday for a holiday um, just something to watch in the evening and there was something on channel on BBC4 it said it was um, it was something like a celebration of music 1976 and um this was all part of something leading i think it was almost like uh from what i could gather like a what were the you know the 
the previous 25 years um, some great, you know, what was some great English music. And it was hosted by, um, uh, did, 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 did we all meet again, that lady, what's her name? Uh, Vera Lynn. Vera Lynn, hosted by her. And um, I couldn't remember that famous lady. Um, and it was all a celebration of English music. And I think it was like in a Christmas slot prior to the Jubilee, which would have been in 77, you know, the Silver Jubilee. Um, so it was all leading up to that. And I was so pleased that one of the first, I think it was after she did us some, some songs that I'd never heard of. And then uh, the young generation did some dancing around. And then they suddenly, they suddenly started uh, the young generation started dancing to this song and um, some people I think quite find it quite cheesy um, I think it's a great kind of I don't know like a, a celebration of the whole thing of what we enjoy about what we're listening to and um, why we listen to certain stuff and why all people like different stuff and why we all love it because it is all music and the, the song is music by John Mayer. Um and it actually uh, it's actually mostly instrumental it goes on for about five and a half minutes but you know once he goes through the first uh, sort of he goes through the first part and then the chorus music was my first love it'll be my last music of the future music of the past Without my music, impossible to do. Blah blah blah. In this world of sorrow, my music to, pulls me through all that. And then it's the little little and so it's going through all of this. That's the instrumental stuff. And then it slowly, um, towards the end of the song, it goes slow again. And then he goes and really repeats what he said at the beginning, but. Yeah, some people find it cheesy. I think it's a great piece of music. Um, it was sad that um, uh, John Miles actually passed away um, in December last year. Um, he wrote some, some great songs. Um, and uh, Stranger in the City was uh, this, mm. this actual, this track's from an album called Rebel. But his, his following album was called Stranger in the City, with some really good tracks on on there um slow down was a great chart hit for him but yeah i love john miles and i love this song and uh, uh i think it's right and i'm that it went in for 1976 and obviously the producers of the bbc program at the time thought it was a good selection as well um so uh yeah so that's my second uh selection it's uh music by john miles Fantastic. So as singles, as singles go, was he was that was he a one hit wonder? I know you said he did albums, but was there any other big singles that you know? Of? Yeah, slow down. Yeah, uh, was quite was a, a again. It was off that sing, uh, the album called Stranger in the City. Right, that's the only uh, song but, I know is music. But, but. Yeah, but apart from that, yeah, you could almost say is almost a one hit wonder. Mm. Uh, 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 but yeah, some good, some good. Um, some good album tracks, for example, the title track to Stranger in the City, pardon me, Stranger in the City, mm. really good. Um, 
Uh, maybe a little bit in the vein of, maybe, I don't know, I'm trying to pigeonhole him now. I don't think you can really. Mm. Uh, maybe a little bit by, by, maybe a bit by Bob Palmer, possibly. Um, but, um, no, but yeah, great, great track. And probably most people have heard that song. Mm. It would be in my, for many years, that would have been in my top five, top 10 singles. Yeah, I mean it, it. It has it has that real Royal Royal Philharmonic Orchestra playing with with a a rock band it had that real yeah. sound about it, didn't it? So it, it sounded like a, a a short classical suite with electric guitar over the top of it. Yeah, yeah. No, very dramatic, no, very good. theatrical, wonderful song. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, so for us youngins, uh, Darren and I, I, I remember this. I remember this song sticking in my head. I think it's a great track. Yeah. Didn't realise it was a chap called John Miles. I thought it was all in my head. I always thought it was someone like Yes. Okay. In a way. Um, but uh, glad you've enlightened me with that one, Alan. Yeah. It becomes. And, uh, it's almost like two separate songs. It, yeah, yeah, it, is, yeah. it is. It is, yeah. You've got this very kind of orchestral ELO yeah. element yeah. to it. Yeah, that is a good and, and it's kind of and the other bombastic element of, yeah. I don't know, prog or glam. It, it's more bombast yeah. than pop, right. isn't it? Punky, yeah. stuff, you know. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. yeah. Good choice, Alan. Yeah. Got to number six. Got to number six. Okay. Excellent. So we're back to David, are we, for your second? Yeah, yeah, back to mine. Um, mine isn't really that left field this time, but even I explained to you about the first couple of verses, you might think it's that. Um, the, the the guy who wrote the song, uh, when he first described the, the first couple of verses, he says, uh, the first verse is about the Basque separatist movement, and then the second verse is about what was then the Rhodesian crisis. And he said... Um, about Mugabe, he said, thirty years later, he actually sets fire to the to the farms, which is what he talked. Uh, sorry, uh, he's the, the lyric he had was the the hand that sets the fire alight has spread the words to those who are waiting on the border. Um, so that's a direct quote from the song, which is Al Stewart's wonderful song, uh, "On the Border." So I don't know if, if anyone can remember that. Came off the Year of the Cat album uh, when they were when he was piecing it all together. Uh, he he thought to himself, "I know what I need. I need some Spanish guitar on this." So it's like, who plays Spanish guitar? And looking around the room, I had Al Parsons, who was the uh, the engineer or the producer at the time, and it happened to be the keyboardist who says can play Spanish guitar they, they couldn't quite believe it um, so they, they used that and just a quick aside um, the, the the keyboardist Peter White he when he used to in the year before when they were touring he would um, tinkle away and, and do riffs for the sound checks on on his piano and it was after hearing the same riff being played every sound check that uh, Al Stewart said to him is that part of anything? Can we use it? And it wasn't part of anything. And he actually took that and he set, set the uh, words of Year of the Cat to it. So 
quite a lot of influences from this one guy, Peter White, on the album. It's, look, it's a wonderful song. Uh, they managed to go and pick up a, a cheap Spanish guitar so that they could play the Spanish guitar track. And as you know, as I've said in previous podcasts, I love the Spanish guitar or anything Latin y feel on, on top of it. Um, wonderful little song, Ditty. Um, not quite sure I, uh, in the States, it only got up to uh, 42. I'm not sure how, how well it did in the UK. But I definitely remember hearing it a number of times on on the radio when it was released in 76. Um, Great little song. And in fact, I love the album. So a chance for me to give a shout out for the Year of the Cat album as well. Yeah. And that's reached number 31. 31. In the UK. Yeah. Thank you. This this is actually one of my favourite albums. Um, I was introduced to it by my my ex-wife who had it in vinyl many, many years ago. So when I started up my collection, when I met you guys again, I it was it was one of my first purchases, along with uh, Stevie Wonder's Songs in the Key of Life. Nice. I, I love it because it is such a... <laughs> it's, it's such a wonderful, yeah. I don't know, ethereal... That's a good way of putting it, yeah. 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 I really, really like it. Um, this is one of my favourite songs on the album as well, apart from the... Uh, the, the title song Year of the Cat itself, because 1976, I believe, was the Year of the Cat. In the um, Taiwanese horoscope. Taiwanese, right, good, right. Oh, good oh Thai, Thai, Thanks, well, Thai, maybe it's even Thai, sorry, Vietnamese. Let me just Vietnamese. correct myself, the Vietnamese as opposed to the Chinese. Okay, okay. And uh, yeah, great, great album, great single. Um, it's on side A, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it is. I think it's inside it. Yeah. yeah. After Lord Granville. It's uh I love the album. I love the you know, we're talking about vinyls here. The cover itself is fantastic. It it reminds me a little of Captain Fantastic and the Brown Dark Cowboy. There's a okay. lot going on Some there. The palette. Yeah. Yeah. Uh and Al Stewart, I I haven't listened to any other stuff of his apart from that one album. I noticed in Record Collector this month that he's actually bringing out like a mega box set. It's on CD mm-hmm. because I don't think you could anybody would oh, print up. But it's that's something like I think there's 20, 22, 20 or twenty two studio albums, and then there's another ten live albums. So the whole box set is something like thirty CDs. So, uh, yeah, maybe you need to pick that up. Mark. Yeah, I'll look out for it. Yeah, but apart from that, um, <coughs> obviously I'm a familiar with Al Stewart and You're the Cat, and that's about it. I, I don't have it, I'm afraid to say. Yeah, I'm the same. I, I don't know the album, but it sounds like I certainly should have a listen. Oh, it's yeah. a great album. I it's a really, really good track. album. I might recognise this single you're talking about when I heard it, but yeah. No, I really do. I missed out on that, so I'll, um, I'll investigate. He's, so, yeah. do, do you know him at all, Darren? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know of it. So I'll, I'll know the big ones. You know, yeah, the cat, I know. But Met him in a pub. Met him in a pub. Uh, he'd just been fighting. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and he had a strange Irish accent. <laughs> he'd been talking to Alan Jones. Did he spell your name wrong? Beer, Matt. Is, he, is he away looking for the beer, Matt? Probably. 
Anyway, why, why don't we move on to you now, Daz? Oh, yeah, we're back to me, aren't we? Okay, so I've gone for one that's a bit more um, norm, a bit more usual for me, rather than um, afternoon delight. <laughs> so this was originally a song released in 1962 by a different artist, by Wilbur Harrison, on Fury Records. It was a kind of rhythm and blues song. Um, this artist, it was uh, his biggest solo single after he left the band Roxy Music. So it's Brian Ferry, and the track is Let's Stick Together. Um, I just remember, obviously, I was only four when it came out in 76 for Brian Ferry, but I remember seeing reruns on Top of the Pops or Oh Grey Whistle Test, whatever it may have been, and he had the white suit on, the little tiny pencil moustache, and it was just so cool back then. It was a white tuxedo, um, wasn't it? Was it a white suit? Yeah, it? I think it might have been a tux, yeah. It was a tux, yeah. I think it, was... it inspired me when I was younger to... Um, my mates still take the mick out of this sometimes. I went down to the Riverside nightclub in Exeter and I had this little white kind of waistcoat, white trousers. Pencil moustache? I didn't have the moustache at the time. Uh, the, that's where you went wrong. I was working on it. But I think, thinking back, that might have been Brian Ferry inspired. Who knows? Um, he was just, he, he was so cool. And he played harmonica and pianos. Um in the band or you know in his solo stuff and i remember the video had a very very young jerry hall in it as well i don't know if you remember that uh, she was only 20 at the time and um, really glamorous way before her um mick jagger days wasn't it but uh yeah so that's all i've got to say about it really it reached number 12 in the uk still a brilliant song yeah i can still put that on when i'm djing if i'm doing a 70s night or something like that and it gets people going so let's stick together brian ferry now the marriage vows are very sacred. Now put us together. Yeah, tune. You, you both sound like Vic Reeves' club sound <laughs> on Shooting Stars. <laughs> the Kato version. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's the Vic and Bob version. Uh, I, I love the song until now. Uh, <laughs> There's one thing that my mum there's one thing that my mum used to say to me, which is um it it, it rang true so on so many occasions. I would sit every Thursday night and watch Top of the Pops with my mum. So I've I've said this often, but my mum was a big influence on my mu- musical taste in my formative years. But uh, I remember her sitting t- saying to me, Mark, why do you just like everything that I like and don't like everything that I don't like? And I was like, well, maybe I just like the same stuff as you do, Mum, you know? And there was one band and one guy she didn't like, right? Apart from Michael Douglas and Kirk Douglas, but that's another story. She just didn't like them. Yeah. Um, it was Brian Ferry. So I, I never went near Roxy Music or Brian <laughs> Ferry. And then, you know, as the years went by and the bond loosened from, from Mum to, to listen to other stuff, because God, God rest her, she wouldn't be in the Led Zeppelin or anything like that. Or uh, I started getting into Roxy Music and Brian Ferry, and I could see this link of the kind of glam rock and the the David Bowie stuff. And I, I love this tune. I love Virginia Payne. Um, that's that's there. That's a pub quiz question. What are the two songs that never mention the title until the last two three words? Virginia playing. Virginia playing's one. 
Uh, what, Roxy Music? No, uh, another band. Oh, blimey. Uh, we might need a clue. We might have said our time. Might have heard. Uh, it's uh, Squeeze. Oh. Yeah. And uh, he gets a girl pregnant. Up the junction. Up the junction. Uh. So, uh, pop quiz question. I don't know if it's still um, valid. Uh, applicable. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if it's still valid. Uh, but uh, yeah. those are the two songs that had the title in the last two, three words. Oh, right. well, I really nice. like this one. It's a good bebopper, and I can see you putting it on on the uh, um, the turntable. Yeah, yeah. I, quite, I was quite surprised because I only finalised my choices today. I wasn't as organised as you, like, and I was surprised that was still there. So thanks for that. I don't understand really what why uh, why was Ferry doing solo stuff when Roxy Music was still were they are they did they. But they, uh, they, did, they did some project work, didn't they? And they went off and some of them did their own projects. Phil Manzanera doing his stuff. Yeah. He, Eno yeah, had buggered of off by then. Yeah, Eno was doing stuff with uh, Boy, wasn't he? He was only there for the first album, I think, wasn't he? Yeah, because I think there must be like more solo Barry albums than there are Roxy Music, I think. Mm. Probably. What was, it, what was the famous one? Was it Flesh and Blood? Was there their famous one? Flesh and Blood, yeah. Uh, Avalon. I like Avalon. Avalon. Yeah, it was a great song. Um, yeah, Manifesto, which had Angel Eyes on. I love that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I'll tell you what, I think we're doing well for time. Should we crack on? Yeah. Oh, I'll soon mess that up. <laughs> uh, is it my go? No, we're back to Goose, aren't we? Aren't we? <laughs> Back to Ganso. Yeah. Well, be, before we start, then I'll just uh, for the people at home. <laughs> oh, okay. Getting the Phil in a signature. Is yeah. it? Yeah. I you could see it. Is it backwards? I think. So it's scrolled on with blood. Or is that just oh, happens to be red pen? So, no, it is red pen. Yeah. Um, okay. Oh, yeah. blood on them. Oh, hang on. No. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's one of those. Heineken. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. impressive. I like that. You should have that free. Oh, there's the Thin Lizzy Chinatown album that Fantastic. I was talking about. All the bark. Right. Okay. My third choice is um, it, it was probably quite applicable to me for many, many years. And uh, one of the lines is uh, You know, I've always been a dreamer, spent my life running around, and it's so hard to change, can't seem to settle down. Uh, but the dreams I've seen lately keep turning out and burning out and turning out the same. So put me on a highway, show me a sign, take it to the limit one more time. Uh, I only got into this band maybe probably in my late 20s, early 30s. Uh, they've got this typical, they call it the South <coughs> Southern California sound. So it's, it, there's a bit of folk country and obviously rock that the Eagles have in abundance. Uh, I've seen Don Henley live, absolutely fantastic. Uh, unfortunately, you know, the, the late great Glenn Frey is no longer with us. But it was actually Randy Meisner who sang the lead on this. Uh, he did other songs like I Can't Tell You Why. Um, and, oh no, I beg your pardon, uh, Tim Smith did that one. 
But yeah, this came out in 76. I think Take It to the Limit is arguably one of their best songs. Uh, when, when I think of the Eagles, I think of, well, obviously, the, the, the big ones, Hotel California, Take It Easy, but Take It to the Limit, I think, is not, not just one of my favourite Eagles songs, but it's one of my favourite ballads of, of all time. Uh, Randy Meisner uh, explained that the line take it to the limit was was to keep trying you reach a point in your life where you feel you've done everything and seen everything it's part of getting old and just to take it to the limit one more time like every day just keep punching away at it and and that was the line and from there the song took a different course um because it, it, it all seems about it's all about reflection um things that have happened in life and maybe what you would have done differently. But uh, you're just going to eke it out just a little bit more. Get get the marrow out of the bone of life. Uh, and I love this. I love this song. I love the Eagles. They're a fantastic band. And I believe they're coming to Murrayfield pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Great choice. Can't argue with that one. Can't argue with the Eagles, can you? No. I think no. You know. no. Great, great band. Is it? Is this up? Is this from off the border, or is... this? Oh, right. Okay. Good question. This was uh, fourth album. One of these nights. Oh, right. Which is, yeah. which is a great tune in itself. And as I said, this this came out in late '75, I believe, in uh, the US, but charted in the UK in. A bit like Bohemian Rhapsody. It charted initially in 75, but it was still in the charts in 76. Yeah. And how did it do? It reached number eight in the US. Not sure how it did in, in the UK. Oh, there we go. Number 12. Okay. Pretty yeah. good. Yeah. And Rami Meisner, for anyone listening who's, who isn't familiar with the Eagles, he was the bass guitarist. But he did a little bit of the the lead vocals as well, along with Henley and Frey. Yeah, sometimes it's quite difficult to to tell the difference between between the three of them. Yeah, I think Henley. I think there's a lot of harmonising going on with everything. Say say again. There's a lot of harmonising between all three of them. That's what I I love about them so much. Yeah, great great harmonies, and they just twist and turn this this folk and then country and, and rock and they blend it all or did blend it all so magnificently well yeah and I uh, think it took so long for, to make an album a lot of the time yeah and, and, and the other thing the, the famous line in the big lebowski my favorite film when the big lebowski is sitting in the back of the taxi and tells the driver he doesn't like the beatles or the sorry the eagles and uh, he pulls the car over and chucks him out. <laughs> how, how dare he say that? I would, I would have been that taxi driver, as 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 much as I love the Big Lebowski. Of course, uh, there's a version of Hotel California in the Big Lebowski, isn't there? Well, yes, that's right. Was it not uh, the Gypsy Kings? California. Was it not the Gypsy Kings? Oh, Gypsy Kings. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Gypsy that's King. a great version. Good yeah, version, so. yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. God, it's not. It's not over. I get, it's not. It's not often I get one over an album. Yeah, good choice. 
Nice one. Okay, Alan, your third choice then. Right, what have I got now? Okay, right. Uh, I think we've mentioned this band already uh, today. Uh, this was their, this came out in October, uh, and it was their first single from their, uh, their from, the, from the album A New World Record. And the track is Living Thing by the Electric Light Orchestra. And, um, I mean, the whole album, they, you know, but, but they released um, three or four singles off this album. And every track on this could have been a single. For me, you know, this is, this is Jeff Lynn at his peak. Maybe, I think generally, I think yes. If he said, um, closely followed by, you know, Into the Blue for me, um it's just great great songwriting and again just as we've said you know just with the eagles some great harmonies and arrangements done by jeff jeff lynn and and then the rest of the band you know it's like richard tanzi on uh keyboards and that and um uh, a guy who's violent it's a guy with the violin and his name was yeah violinsky was it something like that his name was I don't know, but it's just a great album. But yeah, this single, I think I, I, at the time, I don't think, I think I bought the album on the back of the single, uh, which would have come out. Uh, I distinctly remember going and buying it in Woolworths in Tenby. Um, so yeah, great, great album, great track. Um, and, um, you know, that, you know, that this, this guy's written some great music over the years prior you know prior to this particular track um in the early years of ELO and he's gone on to write you know great things with other bands um and, and a solo and as, as a solo artist as well and 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 um fortunately you know uh, you know they're still he's still touring as Jeff Lynn's ELO and I had the opportunity to see them a couple of years ago at Hyde Park um when i think they, it's one of the first times that they've been playing live since they since he started again and it was fantastic uh, so yeah that's my third choice um just some some great some some great vocals in here again i can just remember the start of it ooh la ooh la la ooh la ooh la la ooh. <laughs> Different song, isn't it? Yes. No, it's a thing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's thing sailing away on the crest of a wave. It's like magic. magic. That's a different song. Yeah, so, um, yeah, great, great track. And I uh, obviously don't remember it as, uh, as well as I thought I did. Uh, but I often <laughs> play that album. Uh, got to number four in the parade. I think that's the first time that someone's picked the song and and sung something completely different. Well, I like to keep the listeners alive. I think what's, he's singing yeah. the song. He's making it up as he goes along. Uh, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. It's 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 uh, easily my favourite album. Terrible song. thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Which makes that one, David? Oh, look, um, I, I think the point you made, Alan, was uh, about the fact any of the tracks off the album could have been released as singles um, that are 
peak Lin, I think, is what we're talking about. Yeah. He, he was at the height of his powers, couldn't could could do no wrong because everything was wonderful. And I don't, who produced the stuff? I think it's him. It's him, isn't it? I, I think, think, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's generally him. No, crack, cracking album, uh, cracking album, but um, a living thing. I, I just love the, you know, for pop songs, the complexity. There's so much yeah. just crammed into sort of three and a half, four minutes of, of, of fantastic pop music. Yeah, superb choice. Can't go wrong with the yellow either, can we, in the ship? So. Yeah. So, uh, Chris Evans, love them or love them. It's yeah. two favourite bands. Yeah, it's two, two favourite bands. It's by Jeff Nice. Sorry, Mo. Yeah. No, it's, I was going to say Chris Evans, like them or love them. Um, it's, it's two favourite bands of all time, or Queen and the ELO. Okay. And, and I concur. Uh, ELO are a fantastic band. This is my favourite song of the ELOs. Everybody uh, plumps for... Mr. Blue Sky or Evil Woman, but the Living Thing is just a great song. Is it on your shortlist as well, then, Mark? Uh, yeah. 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 It would have. It, it, if you it, didn't remember it. I wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remembered it. He didn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had, yeah, I had about nine or 10 songs for, for 1976. Yeah. Um, nice. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. David, your third choice? My third choice. Okay, so I had Van Gaddis and now Stuart. Now I'm going to go to a double act. It's Hall and & Oates and their song, She's Gone. Um, written written by the two of them uh, when they were both having or experiencing uh, romantic problems. A little bit different. Uh, Oates had a girlfriend who stood him up on New Year's Eve, uh, whereas... Darrell Hall had just come off a, a, a divorce and I think what they wanted to do was try and capture and bottle those feelings and put them into a song but they also turn into a musical challenge for themselves um, and, and five years on if you'd put this on and listen to it and if you've been through any of it the lyrics still remain pretty pretty poignant um, and if as you listen to the song you'll hear it sort of sort of builds up and they, the, it ratchets up in terms of notes. They go up higher and higher with their chords, uh, like it's a musical challenge for them to go through it. And they, they sort of keep going back to this, uh, the, the hook, of the, you know, the, that says, uh, she's gone, oh why, I better learn how to face it. But they find a way of singing something really sad, um, but with a smiling face and an up-tempo tune on it. So it's uh, the, the soaring melody and that sort of uplifting chorus really creates a, a jarring or a juxtaposition on there, which which is absolutely great. Wonderful little song, um, managed to find its way into sort of 336 of the Rolling Stones, uh, 500 greatest songs. Um, it was actually off an album in 73, it was released in 73, then re-released in, in 76 and got a good little outing then. And that, it was a little bit before they went full pop, um, as we would have known them in our generation, Alan, in, in our years. And it's a regret I didn't I didn't quite get to see them. I nearly did. Um, I missed out on getting tickets to see them at Hammersmith Odeon, which is where I should have seen them. So, uh, wonderful little song. And that's my third one. Uh, She's Gone by Hall & Oates. Nice. Nice. Uh, 
this this was this was in my top ten, and uh, easily easily so. It's a, it's a wonderful song, and it, um, it it really does resonate if you've been in a situation like both of them have. Um, quite powerful, but it's it's almost it's it's one of those songs again that has a bit of a a ditty to the tune. Oh, of course. Uh, but the lyrics are quite serious and impactful and you you can really empathize with it as well i think to that point i think we can end up you know just singing along to the chorus because it's a happy tune you've got a smile on your face without actually realizing what you're singing about exactly exactly that's what i'm getting at yeah i'm not sure i think i'd know the song when i heard it but i just can't it was, it was can't... covered by is it i don't know temptations to temptations or tavares um, yeah. th- th- there's a big connection between Temptations and mm. Hall of Notes anyway, but th- there's been covered by a few bands since yeah. then. The, the vocal range in that song is incredible. And it, yeah, it keeps sort of rising, yeah. Ele- doesn't it? it elevating. Keeps, yeah, elevating, yeah. Okay. Yeah, listen, brilliant. Okay. Yeah, uh, I'll just, uh, my pennyworth on this one. Uh, you'll hear me mentioning a lot of times on here reference to a band called Young Gun Silver Fox. Uh-huh. And uh, they actually come on come on stage to this music. Oh, to the music? Ah, yeah. okay. They're, they're, they're really, uh, they're, they're really big fans of uh, Hall of Notes. Um, or if they're playing in the Netherlands, they call them Holland. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, they, they so, uh, Young Silver Fox, very similar to all the notes, very similar lighting, and uh, they've got a lot of respect for these guys. And I'm, 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 as a result of that, I'm, I'm gradually uh, starting to pick up a lot of their back catalogue and um, some of the albums. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're way, they're a long way away from, you know, the, probably one of their biggest albums, which is Private Invest. Private investigation. I think that one was. I can't go for that on that that one. Yeah, man eater. Man eater. Yeah, from those chop tops. But yeah, they're actually um, right quite quite rocky country type uh, that sort of thing. So South uh, SoCal type music. So yeah, um, great song. And so they they come onto this music. It's quite. Nice. Quite an eerie start to a to a gig. Excellent. Okay, so my penultimate choice then. Um, so we've gone. I've gone four, and this is a bit of a cheeky one actually. I'm not quite sure whether this was released in the one. One of my sources said 1976. One said the last <coughs> week of 1975, but it hadn't charted until 1976. So I think I've got away with it just about. Um, but it's a brilliant pop song. Um, this band and the lead singer, well, in fact, not the lead singer on this track, which you'll find out in a minute, uh, but they released massive song after massive song after massive song. Uh, there's even a stage musical now based on them and their music, uh, which is called the Jersey Boys, which you may, that may have um, oh. dropped it for you. Um, I've gone for December 63, Oh What a Night, 
by Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons. I had this and I couldn't find it was a 76 single. Ah, there you go. Yeah, well, yeah, one source didn't okay. give it, one did. Okay. I've sneaked it in. Sorry, David. <laughs> but obviously this one, um, unusually, wasn't sung by Frankie Valley. He was in the chorus and the bridge, but it was the drummer, Jerry Polchi, on lead vocals, which actually I've never really thought about. I didn't actually realise until you have a look. And you, when you know, you can hear clearly that it's not Frankie Valley singing the lead. Um, but yeah, but brilliant song. Um, Frankie Valley joins in on the bridge sections. This song was originally written, which I never realised. Um, it was originally set in 1933 with the title December the 5th, 1933, and it was celebrating the repeal of Prohibition. Oh. Uh, Valley, in the end, didn't like it. Said, no, 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 we've got to change it. And it was actually, in the end, based around um, a young man's first affair with a woman. And I believe it related to, um, is it Gaudio? Is he the keyboard player, I think? It was his courtship with his wife, or his wife-to-be. Uh, it was their first song to reach number one, uh, and Frankie Valley obviously had hits with Grease, but but this this band had songs like Big Girls Don't Cry, Sherry, Can't Take My Eyes Off of You, Begging, Walk Like a Man, and there's so many, and unless you know the band well, you don't realise that all these songs are theirs, but hit after hit. So I've gone for December 1963, brackets, oh, what a night, close brackets. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, there was, I've got this copy, which I'm holding up for our listeners, but this oh, was a, a Dutch producer decided, Ben Liebrand, in 1988, remixed it. And there's a few on here. The Summer 88 remix, the original single version, and an instrumental remix. So, still a big song. Again, this goes, that gets people going on 70s night. Yeah, he did quite a few remixes, didn't he? I think he did Sting as well, didn't he? Oh, did he? Yeah. Um, in New York. Yeah, yeah, it was. And the remix got to number 14, which I think was better. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, um, Frankie Valley's actually kissed my wife. Yeah? Oh. On her hand. Uh, yeah. He went there. He went to see them. Um, I don't know. I think it was a play game, something like that. And uh, they were in my wife and, and my daughter Charlotte, who's uh, been on the podcast once a few weeks ago, a few years ago, and um, or even last year probably. Uh, yeah, they they were in the front row, and um, at the end, uh, they all the audience stood up, and he went <laughs> up back of the row. And of course, they'd all be girls or women, and he kissed everyone on the hand. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I remember this track coming out. I can distinctly remember uh, playing, watching Top of the Pops again. Probably a pans pans people because they they couldn't afford to bring uh, bring him over the pond. Probably at that time. Uh, um, but yeah, I can remember watching Top of the Pops. Probably playing Sabuti at the same time. Uh, but a great track, and uh, also. <laughs> My daughter Charlotte, she always brings this up whenever Frankie Valley's mentioned. She, t we were on holiday somewhere in uh, in Florida once, and um, she said she was. We were both in a record store. Uh, I think, it, or it might have just, it might have been Barnes and Noble, mm. uh, which is a big department store, but they have a uh, record selection, uh, record uh, selection place, and um, 
she she tells me I wasn't actually there, but she said uh, I wasn't I didn't hear this conversation, but there was this woman on the phone, and she was saying, well, "Look, I want I'm in uh, I'm in I'm in Florida, and I want to get you some uh, a record to bring up home for you." Um, and I'm just looking at this one. Do you like Do you like Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons? <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so, yeah, always makes me laugh. Excellent. Great. Great choice. Yeah, if I wasn't allowed to sneak it in, I'm sorry, but it's there. (laughs) It's legal now. Yeah, it's all done. It's all done. Okay, so we're on to final choices. Mark. Okay. Uh, 1976. 1976 yeah this this one came out so my fourth and final one came out in um june 1976 i believe um it's it's a song that easily got in, went into the top four and it's also a song that i think it was one of three massive hits for this band in 1976 if you count one that carried over from 1975 it's a song that uh, has become very, it's, it, yeah, it, it's very close to my heart now because uh, the person who uh, sent me something on my 46th birthday, um, Claire, I've mentioned Claire a few times, is a very, very dear friend of mine, uh, love her a bit, and we, we rekindled our relationship about just over three years ago. Uh, she sent me this wonderful present for my birthday and it was the this this particular single with my name on it my date of birth happy 46th birthday and um you're my best friend and uh even now i look at it i guess i'm just going to hold it up like alan does it's got all the lyrics on it and yeah. every every single word of that resonates uh with, with myself and claire um this was a toss-up. Uh, I, I, I promised myself I wasn't going to choose Queen because it's a bit obvious, but it's my favourite band. Uh, it, they were at probably peak zenith in 1976 on the back of A Night at the Opera, just before a day at the races. Uh, the three hits would have been Bohemian Rhapsody um, coming out of 75 into 76, Somebody to Love, which is epic in itself, but you're my best friend. Uh, John Deacon wrote it for his wife at the time. Uh, he's still very happily married to her with, I don't know, about 50 kids. Still drives a Volvo, lives in Putney uh, in London. Uh, he's, he's one of the guys who, after Freddie's death in 1991, said enough was enough. Uh, he came back for the trip, uh, Freddie Mercury tribute in 92 and then performed one other song called No One But You in 1997. And after that, he hung up his bass guitar and his electric piano, which he actually played on this. Freddie Mercury refused point blank to play the electric piano on, on this song, saying it was, I quote, here's what he said, um, I refuse to play that damn thing. It's tiny and horrible and I don't like them. Why play those when you have a, a lovely, superb piano? And you can just imagine him saying that. So John Deacon took that horrible little electric piano home, learned how to play it. Very clever guy. 
and uh, came up with a tune, You're My Best Friend, which was all four band members. I've had massive hits. So, you know, Freddie and Brian, countless. And then you've got Roger with Radio Gaga, Kind of Magic. And then John came out with his first of of, uh, quite a few big hits, this being the first You're My Best Friend, which was the follow-up, actually, to Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, He, of course, penned Another One Bites the Dust, I Want to Break Free. He is my favourite band member uh, because I think he's... He stuck resolutely to uh, the notion that Queen were finished after Freddie died. Didn't want to take on Paul Rogers or Adam Lambert, even though I am going to see them in Birmingham uh, next weekend. I'm very much looking forward to that and seeing my mate down there as well. Uh, well, yeah, I've, I've probably said my four minutes up. I, I love this song for so many reasons now these days. In the early days, when, when I listened to Queen, I was always into the rock side of it, the real heavy guitar side. And this was a bit of a, oh, it's a bit soppy. Uh, I, I now I very, very much appreciate the song for what it is. So uh, thank you, Claire. And um, yeah, thanks for having me. Good night. <laughs> Brilliant. It's, not, um, not a, it's a great Queen song, but not a song I'd normally play when I was DJing. And actually, oh, recently, yeah. only, only a few weeks ago, I got asked for it. Thought, okay, it was early in the night. I thought, yeah, get on, we'll bang it on. And this guy that asked for it danced on his own for the whole four minutes or whatever it is. And he I was did. loving it. And he came yeah. up and said, oh, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. And he, just, he said it's his favourite song of all time. Really? Yeah. yeah. Brilliant song. Was yeah. that you, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> I thought I That's... That's an in-joke. <laughs> That's an in-joke from Royal Bank days. Uh, Let's not go into that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. What's the B-side for that? I'm just, I was actually... Oh. I think the B-side... Uh, oh, God almighty. Is it was, it Tenement, was it Tenement... No, Tenement Funster. Wait, wait a wee second. B-side. Oh, it was 39 written by Brian May. 39 is a great track. Yeah. And uh, they used to play that. Yeah, they used to play that acoustically live. So Roger would come down from the drums and play the tambourine. Uh, Brian would play the the guitar. John would just stand there very casually on on, uh, the right side of the stage playing the bass and Freddie would belt it out. Yeah. No, great track. Great track. Yeah. It, It is. I think uh, um, Karen, Karen went to see Queen, uh, you wouldn't have seen this Mark, Karen uh, went to see um, Belf in Belfast last week, said they were really good. All right, Karen, you used to work with us? Yeah. All right, okay, good, good, good. Uh, I've, I've heard all sorts on, on Twitter saying that it's the best gig people have ever been to, which is saying something. So they've played Belfast and Manchester so far, and uh, I'm seeing them next Saturday in Birmingham. And I'm meeting up with a little buddy down there uh, who I work with in Birmingham. Birmingham. Yeah. Excellent. We'll hear all about it on the next podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've I've seen them with Adam Lambert now twice. Once in... uh, 
Hydro in Glasgow. I think it was, was it Manchester, the last one? Yeah, Birmingham. This will be the first time I've, I've, I've seen a, a gig, been to a gig in Birmingham since 2013, Alan, when I bumped into you at Billy Joe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. Uh, right, is it me next? Yeah, I think so. Well, yeah. okay. Uh, yeah, that's my final uh, choice uh, for 1976. And uh, it's a track taken from an album we've already, uh, Mark's already mentioned it earlier tonight. Um, one of the greatest albums that's probably ever been written by this artist. But this was actually the first single from this album. Uh, and it was released in November 1976. Actually got to number five. Uh, and um, again, I probably didn't buy, I don't think I bought this. I think I waited until the following year when uh, a track called Seduke was released. And that's when I then decided I needed to find the wherewithal and a lot of money to buy the album. Uh, songs in the Key of Life by Stevie Wonder, which featured this track, I Wish. And, and for me, it's just the lyrics on this, which sort of resonate uh, things that I used to do, um, you, know, you know, back in the day. I can think when I was just a young lad and I could just, not, just imagine, you know, he's, he's writing these lyrics, you know, when, you know, a, a young boy, a lot of the time, certainly for me, you on your mind was what are you going to get for Christmas this year? I wonder what I'm going to get for Christmas. I wonder if what I'm going to get, what I really want, etc., etc. And you know, I can you know um, recollect my time sitting and my going through the K's catalogue, you know, trying to pick things out there, and you know. And, you know, one of the lines here is, um, you know, your you only worry was, you know, what is Christmas going to bring for you? And then another of the lyrics is about his mum is saying, well, you know, I told you not to go out. And you just go out. You do what you, you, you don't listen to your mum. You go out. You sneak out the back door somehow. And that's another lyric in there. And then, and then there's another one. Um, smoking cigarettes i did that i gave you know but there was one of my best friends nicky lloyd his granddad used to call me woodbine nickname for you know because i used to pinch my mum's cigarettes you know but it's all things that stevie wonder wrote about in this song i wish you nasty boy yeah you nasty boy i wish those days could come back once more uh, I really do. Uh, a chance to live those you know, just a day would be uh, would be brilliant. And um, you know, he says, you know, why did those days ever have to go? When I think, when we all think back, probably our best times of our life were when we were kids. Yeah. And um, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of truth in that, and it's amazing what a song can do. Just to transport you back and make you think about your own situation um you know at that time in, in 1976 77 i was i was nearly a teen you know, i was i was nearly nearly an adult um but it's only 
when when you're a little bit older that you can uh, sit and reflect and, and and appreciate what the actual words are all about and uh, that's the great thing about music you can as it's a record you can always go back and listen to it oh, always there i see what you did there um, <laughs> yeah so um that's my fourth and final choice it's a great great track to say the album itself songs in the key of life such a fantastic album probably one of the best bits of music that you know stevie wonder uh, wrote uh the pleasure of um uh, going along and hearing him at uh, the o2 uh quite a few years ago unfortunately it wasn't that well at the time um so i did one way and the other i didn't didn't really appreciate it as much as i probably could have um but um but it was still a great evening and um i'll always remember that uh the time that i i went along and i listened to stevie wonder mm. yeah I, I have to say alan I'm, I'm i'm sitting here bopping away to it in my head it's probably i think you've top trumped us all tonight with that song i i love it I, but the, the reason why we have four play the podcast stems back all the way to episode one on Hollywood's Top 100. Songs in the Key of Life was my first choice, first album. Um, I love it back to front and front to back. But this is, I'd say, I mean, you've got Pastime Paradise as I was covered by George Michael. It's my favourite song. It's, it's my favourite Stevie Wonder song. Mm-hmm. Wonderful, wonderful track. The opening line, looking back and when I was a little nappy was a knobby-headed boy, <laughs> and then he goes all, into all these misdemeanors, yeah. and uh, you know that, that that isn't one of us who would say that doesn't relate to them. It's uh, apart from the fags. Never touch the fags. I've never touched the fags, but there's one line in it. Uh, what was it? The brother said he's telling about you playing doctor with that girl. That's yeah. that's a bit. <laughs> it's a bit risky, isn't yeah. it? Uh, well, we did play doctors and nurses, that's for sure. Yeah, he's, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I remember playing cowboys and Indians, but um, no, doctors and nurses. Yeah, doctors and nurses. I think, I think I did. I think I, I probably did. Yes, with Athena McEvitt or Kathy McGivern in Beachmine Park all those years ago. But um, he slips it in nicely. Yeah. Uh, and when you read the lyrics to the song, it's fantastic. It's um, it's a properly happy, funny song. Yeah. And you don't get many of those, you know, ever, just, everyone else yeah. about being broken hearted and what have you. Right, but the music is boom, 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 Oh, boom, it's boom, great. Boom, 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 boom. Just, and the percussion in it is fantastic. And he yeah. does it all. Yeah. It's a bit, bit like Prince does it all, plays the drums, and he's blind, and he, and he plays all these instruments. I know, brilliant. Pure genius. Never be the like of him again. No. no. So, uh, yeah, that got to number five. Yeah, number five. I can cue you in here because this is for you, Al. I did this one in pantomime once. Did you? No, you, oh, he missed it. He missed it. I was waiting. Oh, oh no, sorry. Oh, you did no, that on Facebook the other day. <laughs> I didn't. Really <laughs> I was. I was the demon of discontent, and I had to yeah. be evil and sing it in a nasty manner. But yeah, brilliant song. 
I was quite honoured to be able to sing it on stage, actually. Yeah. So I'm going to get that album on tonight. Yeah, yeah, bang it on. Yeah. But great choice. So, David. Oh, David was going to say something there, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. Like, I was just going to re remember you on stage, but uh, I think we should move on. <laughs> <laughs> Probably best to. What, did he look good in drag? <laughs> I did have a whip, to be fair. Oh, wow. Yeah. It gets even better. Yeah. So this is the same song. <laughs> Absolutely. Is this, is this the same podcast? Mm. Are you talking about, I think you mean, I swish. Touche. Let's let's just change the tempo a little bit. So I think looking at the songs we've had, <coughs> this will be the heaviest of all of the songs. Um so coming in yeah. 1976 with Blue Don't Fear the Reaper. Oh belter of a song. I tell yes. you. I tell Great. you. A um, bit of a cheat because it was uh, it charted in the states in '76. Um, it was 20 weeks in in the top 100 there. Um, it it was actually then re-released in the UK in '78 when it did a lot better. Um, it came in at number 16, um, which which was good for it to do. Um, certainly for me, it was one of those songs that introduced me to, you know, rock slightly heavier rock than you than you would often hear you wouldn't hear much like this on the radio and off not very often you get a bit of uh, guitar virtuoso taking place as well so wonderful song um interestingly despite the the harshness of it the the vocals are very gentle um you know then you have the the guitar going through it there was quite a lot of controversy around the lyrics at the time uh some people were saying it was inspiring people to commit suicide um the the, the singer buck dharma he tried to put it back and said look he, the references in there to romeo and juliet um in in the lyrics but that was about conveying the love that they had and about eternal love um although it's really about don't fear the reaper you know death happens you know it's inevitable so mm. enjoy your life and make the most of it was where they're coming from but basically, it's one of those songs, you put it on, you'll be air guitaring, you'll be singing along to the chorus. Um, it's it's rock pop at its finest. That's me. Absolutely. Can't argue with that one. Yeah, great song. You hear the opening riff, don't you? And you just you know it. Instantly. Then you're looking for your tennis racket and you can just start, yeah, start strumming away. <laughs> yeah, great song. Well, you could tell by my reaction when you mentioned it that, that I love this track. Was this their only hit? I um, have others. That's a good question. Anyone I know of. Yeah. Could be another one-hit wonder. There's a lot of bands like that. They they weren't really about the singles. They happened to have one which was very catchy, which uh, obviously it's done. If you listen to their albums, they're a lot heavier, space rock. It's a prog rock kind of feel, so it's a, a different. But um, when you've had a bit of chart success, you can enjoy it. But I think they they made their money or made their living mm. off um, album success and and obviously all of the concerts that, that they did when they toured. Yeah, this this you know it's don't fear the reaper. Uh, it's it's quite haunting, and when you read the lyrics as well. 
um, you know, Stay With Me by Shakespeare's sister. I can't stand okay. that song because it is quite, it, it puts, it gives me the heebie-jeebies. It makes my oh, heart really? stand on end. I don't like it at all. And uh, the video that goes along, that basically complements that feeling. I I don't like it, but don't fear the Reaper. Uh, I love, simply because, as you said, it's quite melancholic in yeah. a way. Downbeat, the, the vocals is Down, just yeah. very even, yeah. understated uh -huh. even. Yeah, yet the music that goes with it is the opposite. You've got this heavy bass, great guitar, uh, but there's somebody who's just sliding along the top of the with the the vocals. Yeah. Great choice. And great choice. It wasn't even on my radar, but I'm I'm glad you uh, you chose okay. that one today. Sneaked it in. I see they've had loads and loads of albums, but it says they're best known for the singles. Obviously, don't fear the reaper. Burning for you and Godzilla. Does that mean anything to anybody? Is that the one that goes up from the depths, 50 stories high, <laughs> breathing fire, Godzilla? Godzilla. And I'm, I'm, I'm Godzuki. No, I don't think that's the one. That's, that's one for so. our generation. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the old the won't remember that one. Do you remember <laughs> that, Darren? Do you remember that, do you, do you remember that cartoon was on Saturday morning? Godzilla, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that yeah. absolute pain in the arse, Godzuki. Okay. And it was yeah, yeah, yeah. And I used to fly along, pretend he was Godzilla, but yeah, he was not patch on him. Yeah, he was Scooby and Scrappy Doo. What? Yeah, yes, Scrappy Doo. Why did yeah. Why did Godzilla become so angry? You know, in later years. Yeah, he was, always, he was always a nice. I mean, I know we're deviating slightly here, but I it's, don't know, Mark. Why did he become so bloody angry? <laughs> maybe, maybe you can answer that, Alan. Yeah. No, just misunderstood, I think. Yeah, just misunderstood. He's just, uh, you know, he's just an angry old T Rex. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, it's, it, uh, interestingly, when the single was released in 76, it didn't chart. Oh, really? Because oh, okay. an edited version. It was an edited version. Uh, <laughs> but then they released a couple of years later the unedited version, and it got to number 16. Amazing. There's something in there for long, long versions there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know about you, I remember no, thinking no, that. Oh, it's because it had 12 inches in those days, then by 78. Yeah, probably, yeah. I think yeah. It, I have seen a blue vinyl version of it somewhere. I haven't got it. Really? Yeah. Definitely yeah, okay. blue vinyl. One that, one that slipped through the net for Alan. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's, a, that's a rare thing. <laughs> No doubt it'll come back on a record store day in the future. I'm sure it will. Yeah. yeah. Well, we got records. When's the next one? It's one in a couple of weeks, isn't there? So I'm saying we've got rugby final that day, we're at the Premiership Finals. What a day! Don't yeah. talk to me about don't talk to me about rugby. La Rochelle, La Rochelle. Yeah, 
Oh, beers. <laughs> oh, deserved winners, deserved winners. I'm just a bit crushed for Leinster. Not getting their fifth star anyway. Before you start crying, I'll do my final choice. Good man. Yes, do, do. Please do. So, okay. So David just said that he thinks that that song might have been the heaviest one of the night. All right. I think this might just trump it. Ah, brilliant. <laughs> Love it. But we'll see. Get your verdicts. Um, but... So we're talking mid seventies. So this is seventy six, seventy nine, seventy five. There was a kind of new movement that started, which we have to touch on. A particular movement. Um, this band only lasted for about two and a half years, uh, but they initiated the movement. I think many would say. I think many would argue with that. Um, we're talking about punk, of course, and we can't do a nineteen seventy six podcast without talking about anarchy in the UK by the Sex Pistols. Um, which I think, I guess is a bit heavier than Blue Oyster Cult. Um, certainly more controversial, probably, even though you said that one was as well. But it's, yeah, Anarchy in the UK. So it was obviously John Lydon, Johnny Rosson, Steve Jones uh, on guitar, Paul Cook, the drummer, and Glenn Matlock at the time was the bass player before Sid Vicious joined in um, early 77. Um, fantastic band. They influenced so many bands. Uh, the Buzzcocks, The Clash, The Damned, Susie and the Banshees, and many, many more. Uh, obviously, very controversial. They got um, a lot of notoriety from the Bill Grundy show, where they sat there and sat and swore at him because he was kind of egging them on too, really, but um, that controversy. Um, and this single was on their 1976 album as well, Never Mind the Bollocks, Here's the Sex Pistols. Um, this is listed in Rolling Stone's list of 500 greatest songs of all time. Um, there's been a lot of songs, a lot of competition. Uh, originally, it was issued in just a plain black sleeve. I'd be interested to know if Alan's got one of those in a minute. And <laughs> uh, new recording released by EMI, you know, um, before they dropped them. <laughs> because of all the drama, I think, with Bill Grundy and the profanities, the absolute profanities, which when you look back on it now, actually aren't that bad really there's a lot worse on tv these days yeah but it was certainly because of the time wasn't it um obviously managed by malcolm mclaren uh there you go so any comments on that one guys it's just a brilliant track um i haven't got the one the verse sadly the version you're talking about okay uh, just received the sex festival's latest compilation uh 20 track compilation that they bought out because um obviously it's a jubilee one of their biggest tracks that they bought out for the yeah. jubilee god save the queen yeah uh, you know we've been talking about daz and uh yeah um what can you say about the sex pistols um they're still very very popular they've still yeah. got a massive following uh and uh they're they're still quite collectible and if you've got yeah. one of those uh yeah it's probably worth a few quid yeah back in the day johnny ryan said we're not trying to be commercial i think he is now <laughs> he needs the money these days <laughs> uh but i think um you saw um john lid john lydon didn't you uh was it yeah. last year or the year before yeah, well, it was delayed. It should have been 2019, I think. But yeah, it was middle of last year, I think. And I think I've said before, he was he was okay. The first half of the show was pretty awful. 
He just chatted about being alive a celebrity, get me out of here. That was a Q&A. So people could give him questions on the stage and it got much more interesting then. Sort of got yeah. to the meat bits. And he's still got a massive love for Sid Vicious. Massive love for him. And yeah. he made that very clear that he was gutted and it was his main buddy and nothing was ever the same after Sid sadly died. But yeah. yeah. But good to see him because obviously I've never seen the Sex Pistols back then. So no. it's just nice to see him on stage and see what he had to say, even though he wasn't that great. But he struggled through a PIL song at the end, which was very awkward. That's the only thing he sung all night. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, to be honest, uh, reading the Revering um, Record Collector uh, this month, which is uh, the, the main feature is about the Sex Pistols. Yeah. And he, he actually. He says of all his work, um, you know, the pill, right. the pill bit is probably is is that, that he says is probably uh, my my best, my favourite work. Was yeah, with, yeah, yeah. It's weird that he that he chose to do that rather than a Sex Pistols song at the end of the show. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So um, uh, yeah, great great band, and um, don't think there'll be any ever any other band like them really and what they did for popular music is probably well understated or yeah, understated by, or, or unknown by a lot of people yeah yeah now anyone's going to struggle to have that sort of impact again these days aren't they yeah well done Definitely. well done Daz to, to get that on with the Jubilee Week yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have, I have to say, I'm probably gonna go against the groove here. Um, punk has never been my musical genre. I've, I've I've tried desperately to get into it, um, and I've been on the cusp on a number mm. of occasions with the likes of the Ramones and the Stranglers, particularly. Okay. Um, but I just I've I've listened to, or. or the Sex Pistols on, you know, the, the reruns at Top of the Pops or on some of their live gigs. And I've tried desperately to get into it, but I don't know, maybe maybe I need a little bit more tuition on it. Uh, it's a bit like when I was um, introduced to the, the likes of the Smiths in, in my 30s, got into them and I, I, I completely got it. The penny still has to drop with me. On yeah. punk, I mean hard, you know, proper hard punk. Yeah, uh, I think it's, it's, yeah. I, I'm in the right mood to listen to it. Yeah, there's a, yeah. There's a lot of good sort of punk, well, post-punk, I suppose, but that punk, punk band's coming through now, kind of mm -hmm. square, Fontaine's DC bands like that. Yeah, that might be a, listen to some of the current stuff and yeah, might be worth a try. But yes, we're very what? good, Fontaine. The thing is, yeah. for, for me, what what did I? I think what got me about John Lydon, I did, as an individual, they were groundbreaking. The Sex Pistols, absolutely. But he, he's gone from being, you know, F F the, you know, the Constitution and and the, the whole the whole thing, uh, and uh, to selling butter on TV and being on a I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. And uh, is that is that a softening as you get older? Um, for me, it's more bankruptcy, wasn't it? 
Fair play. I mean, it's not about the individual. It's about what what they brought to the world, and that was that was punk. I mean, what what is the definition of punk? I mean, I'm a genuine in my questioning here. Well, no, I, I mean, um, I think really they they were on the back of um, bands like make maybe, maybe like Richard L and the Voidoids and mm-hmm. uh, uh, the, you know the New York Dolls. Yeah. So, yeah. Know, which were much much earlier than that so i think they were almost kind of following those american uh type bands and um and you know so they certainly weren't original they were just following what they'd seen you know happening in the states mm-hmm. um uh you know patty smith yeah things like that so uh, bands like that um, but um, yeah, they, they obviously had a guy, you know, behind them who knew what to do, which was Malcolm McLaren, yeah. and uh, he, he caused them to be sensational. I, I think they they were pretty pretty poor musicians, uh, yeah. uh, maybe aside from Steve Cook and um, uh, the guy who went on to the kids. Help me. Glenn Matlock. Help me on that. Uh, Glenn Matlock. Um, uh, and he could shout and scream a bit. Yeah. Uh, had um, this persona and they paved the way in this country, I think, for bands like, uh, as you said, the Sprangler. The Spranglers were, you know, they were formed in 75 themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, uh, but you know, you know, Susie and the Banshees, uh, the Rats, all bands like that. You know, which eventually kind of almost went into this genre known as mm. new web. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with the exception of the Skids and Stiff Little Fingers in my collection, I I don't have an ounce of of punk in there. Uh, maybe that's a bad thing. Maybe I should just open my ears a little bit more. No, no, not at all. Uh, and, I mean, a punk can be, it has to be quite, um, uh, you know, you're talking about oi bands. Uh, you know, they, they're, they're, you know, that the Sex Pistols are quite, um, they're not the most punkish band you could ever listen to. Mm-hmm. So, heavy punk. Uh, really? So, who would be the, who would be the most? Who, who would be the most punk, punkish band? Oh, I'd say maybe something like uh, maybe the Dead Kennedys. I don't know. Uh, Dead Kennedys, yeah. These, uh, all these. There's lots and lots of uh, American bands that I can't can't even uh, recall now. But they they were kind of softish punk, if you like. Mm-hmm. They need they 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 need like to dress uh, things like that, but uh, the punk music really I think it's it's it still is uh, like the garage garage stuff that came out of America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, super. Well, there you go. We made it. We've done, yeah. done it. The nineteen seventy six wasn't too bad at all, really, was it? No, oh, I, I, I was just thinking 
about this. Uh, I was sitting in the garden yesterday evening and I was looking through my, my choices yeah. and then and then I decided to to look up a few more in 76. A, a complete cornucopia, plethora uh, yeah. to choose from. Uh, yeah. I, all all mixes, like everything from punk to to soul, to country, to folk, to, to rock, pop, you, you yeah. name it. Great tracks that are really marked in history. And yeah. I've often, I've said this from when we started, I think from 1967, and I would say I, I said up to about 73, but I'd say up to about 78, 79, 80 even. It's some great, great years of rock and pop music. And yeah. I, I don't think they'll ever be emulated now. I really don't. I think we've lost our way. But I don't want to finish on that sad note. <laughs> but maybe I'm just maybe I'm just getting old and grey and cravats. I think it was more just a crossroads as well, Mark. So yeah. was, you know, we, yeah. we've covered Transitional, lots. yeah. Yeah, we, we, we talk about bands that came from the 60s um, mm-hmm. that brought what, what um, they were um they're different styles and then you got bands from the 70s and that went on to last for a long time afterwards yeah i mean queen are in their 50th year that's crazy yeah Yeah. (laughs) they've been on the go for as long as i have (laughs) and that's uh and you look at i know i harp on about it this should be the queen podcast but Brian May up there and, and Taylor bashing out the drums in their 70s. Can you imagine your granddad doing that? It's just fantastic. It's, it's like the Stones as well. All these great bands. I'd love to see. And I, I'd, I'd love to see Zeppelin do it one more time. I've seen Plant live well, and yeah. in different guises with the band of Joy and Alison, Alison Krauss. And, um, he was at the same gig as Van Morrison was. He came on my grump and left on a grump, but um, mm-hmm. it, it'd be so good, wouldn't it? You, you guys, I mean, Alan and David. Um, I'm not having a go here, but prime. You, you're, you're totally prime for the great gigs. I mean, you're only ten years or so on us, but you had the opportunity to go to some amazing gigs in the seventies and eighties. You be, really did. To be fair, I think we're probably ten years too young. For the the real good yeah. stuff, seriously. <laughs> yeah, you know, if yeah, we, if, yeah. If we'd been going to gigs, um, to a late sixties, early seventies, now you're talking. Well, for me, I, I yeah. think you, you're really talking. So when I mean, we we obviously caught, you know, punk new yeah. wave or yeah. second 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 wave of punk. You know, all of that was there. There's and, and everything that came through the eighties, but there was a lot that I was. I, I, I did go to the likes of Rush in in the seventies, but I didn't go didn't get to go to that many, you know, mm. big bands from from the the seventies. That would have been great. Yeah, yeah. Mark, you know, I came from a little seaside town. Mm. What nobody came there, but you know, the nearest town. Well, I think I remember Stranglers going to Carmarthen, which is about thirty miles away. Uh, and that was in 77, but I didn't need it. I didn't have the money. I didn't, yeah. you know, didn't have the money either, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was only when I moved to London, I started 
really going to gigs. Okay, before yeah. that, I think I saw the Stranglers a couple of times. I saw the Fleets. I saw the Buzzcocks. Uh, it was only you know when I went to London that I had the my own wherewithal to be able to go out and uh, you know see these bands and and you know. A lot of people, when they look back at tickets now, and they think, "Oh, three pounds to go and see so and so," it's all relative. The price yeah, was uh-huh. relative, but you know, back then, you know, you they, they weren't cheap enough where you could, um, you know, go and you know be seeing bands every night of the week. You had to pick and choose, and don't forget as well, you know, we're, we're holding down jobs as well now, you know, um, you know, so really stuff like that was kept for the weekends. Yeah. yeah, it's great though because you you, you earned your hard earned you know your hard earned money was spent on something that you loved. Yeah. I remember saving up money and going down to Woolworths and buying the latest single or the latest album. You know you you'd earned it. And, yeah. Um, I, you talk about Stevie Wonder's "I Wish" and and your childhood and thinking back to those days. That's one of the things that I do miss. It's saving it up. And uh, and then you you really appreciated that purchase, whether it was a concert ticket or um, a, a vinyl of some sort. Yeah, that was yeah. a good thing um, in the summer. You had the summer job. So yeah, making ice creams. <laughs> what was paid. your what was your what was your weirdest summer job, Alan? <laughs> I only had one summer job. Yeah. Was, I, no, I worked. I worked in an ice cream parlor for about three summers in a row. Did you? The same ice cream parlor, yeah. What's your favourite ice cream? <laughs> What's my favourite? We're going yeah. a bit off off music yeah. here. <laughs> oh no, the the, the listeners want to they want to know. Four. Four. I used to make novelty ice creams. Yeah, vanilla. No, not novelty ice creams. I could make <laughs> a clap. I could make a showboat. I could make a yacht. I could make a yacht a rocket. You're, show, you're showing off now. What's your favourite flavour? My favourite flavour of ice cream? Yes, Thank you it's, it's a simple, blunt question. Come roll. You can do it. Um, oh, if you have to think about it, orange. you're lying. What? Orange. There you go. Orange. Orange. Oh, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Honest to God. Uh, That's the end of our 49th pod, guys, and we finished on orange ice cream. Well, it's yeah. not quite the end. I was going to tell you about my weirdest job. Oh, go on then. Uh, <laughs> I used to uh, erect gravestones when uh, when I was at uni. Yeah, and that's a big call out to Andy Middleton of East Coast Memorials, Cleppington Road, Dundee. <laughs> big up, that is big, <laughs> big up to Big up Dandy. Yes, I used to do that when I wasn't working in the bar. You sure it's anyway, there you go. go through the roof. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, I, I think we've just about cracked it in under two hours. Oh, <laughs> just. We if we finish in 40 seconds. If we finish in 40, 40 seconds, get off, get off, go on. <laughs> off. Um, Mark, Alan, David, thank you very much. Yeah. Darren, thank you. Thank you, mine host. Yeah, thank you. All the best. Yeah.